0: We are going to pay us back. Um, and I should have mentioned Yvonne Holstclaw, continuing to, to pay for Yvonne. She's finished radiation and chemo's going to begin sometimes after her birthday. Her birthday's on the 16th. So please remember Yvonne. And I know Yvonne would tell you please remember Paul. So no, it is not your. Pi- I've had three men confess. Where did I get their picture from the front of the bulletin? No. There's a difference between what we're going to talk about today and relaxing. You ever encountered a, a, a lazy sales clerk in a store? You walk in and all of a sudden you're the invisible man or woman, as the case may be. I don't want to be pestered to death. Just to, can I help you? Would be nice. I'll be with you a minute, but being ignored. So I've come up with a list of conversation starters to help you if that happens. Next time this happens to you, here's some things to say. Has your boss told you I was coming? (laughs) Has the SWAT team arrived yet? If I faint, would you please call 911? Why aren't you wearing a hazmat suit? This stuff will kill you. A hazmat suit, this stuff will kill you. Might get them to move. Is that your car being towed away? (laughs) Or I just won the lottery. Are you on commission? Maybe they would help. I don't know. Today we're going to begin a study on the seven deadly sins. This is a list written by theologians, uh, some say as far back as the 6th century, that contains seven of the most destructive tendencies or sins that we can possess. Here they are in the order that we are going to look at them. Today, sloth, and then lust, Anger, pride, envy, gluttony, or greed. So you might want to do the math and see which one you don't want to hear about and be sure to be gone on that Sunday. So that's what we're going to be doing for the next, today, and in six more weeks. Before we do this, let's pray together. Lord, in the next few minutes and in the next few weeks, we pray that we would see, not others, but ourselves, and how we need to change. Father, thank you that we're with a group today that got out of bed and they're here, so they're doing more than a lot in this world. Thank you for forgiveness and for your Holy Spirit that gives us power to avoid these kind of things. Help us to live the way you would have us to live. In Jesus' name. The Bible has a lot to say about sloth. We begin in Proverbs chapter 6. You've seen this before. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways, become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. But you lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will pounce upon you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. Let me ask you, are those words pertinent to today's society? Absolutely. Proverbs 20, verse 4. Those too lazy to plow in the right season will have no food in the harvest. And I lived in farm country for a long time, and that is true. You don't find a lot of lazy farmers that last over a year or two. They can't be because they'll have no food in the harvest. That almost sounds like an Old Testament thought. that You know, if you don't plant something, you don't eat. But look at the New Testament, what Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 3.10 about working together as a church and people coming to all of the meetings and helping out. But Paul said this, he said, Even while we were with you, we gave this command, Those unwilling to work should not get to eat. How about that so next time we do something around here <laughs> if you want to aim, you can go to proverbs chapter 24 verses 30 through 34. i walked by the field of a lazy person the vineyard of one with no common sense i saw that it was overgrown with nettles it was covered with weeds and its walls were broken down that's an interesting picture in it when when the walls were broken down then the enemies could come in there was no protection. And with sloth, enemies come in and there's no protection. Then as I looked, I thought about it and I learned this lesson. A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and probably will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcely will attack you like an armed robber. Let me give you the best definition of sloth that I have found. Sloth is the demonic tendency to remain where you are when we ought to be moving on to do those things which we know will provide deliverance from the pain of our existence. So sloth is a demonic tendency to remain where we are when God has something better for us. Remember the children of Israel when things got hard telling their leaders, you know, it'd have been better if we'd have remained slaves and die out here in the wilderness. A form of sloth. This week I found a story that you can still be busy and be slothful. This week I found a story about a professional tennis player named Bernard Tomic. He lost his first round match at Wimbledon. And I quote from Bleacher Report. The 24-year-old Aussie discussed his lack of motivation and then dropped out the following line about his prospects for the upcoming US Open. He said, I couldn't care less if I made the fourth round at the U.S. Open or if I lose in the first round. To me, everything is the same. I'm going to play another 10 years, and I know after my career, I won't ever have to work again. Isn't that interesting? He used to be number 19 in the world. He's down in the 60s now, and he's dropping like lead. And his point was, you know, I don't care if I win or lose, I get paid, and I'm going to be saved. I've got sponsors. In response, his main sponsor, Head, the tennis racket company, issued a statement of their own. We were extremely disappointed with the statements made in Wimbledon by one of our sponsored athletes, Bernard Tomic. His opinion in no reflect way reflect our own attitude for tennis, our passion, professionalism, and respect for the game. Therefore, we have decided to discontinue our collaboration with Bernard Tomic. Sloth has its consequences the most dangerous consequences is spiritual sloth Spiritual sloth has eternal consequences. And I feel like I'm preaching to the choir today because here you are. Bless you for being here. But how many people do you know that used to be, that used to go, that used to be involved, that it's not a priority in their lives and, well, it's just too hard to get out of bed. It's scary. Matthew 25, we look at this a lot, beginning in verse 31. You know the story of the sheep and the goats. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all of the angels with him, he'll sit on the throne of his glory and all the nations will be gathered before him. He'll separate people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. But the sheep at the right hand, the goats on the left, the king will say to those at the right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you for the foundation of the world. I was hungry, you gave me food. Thirsty, you gave me something to drink. A stranger, you welcomed me. I was naked, you gave me clothing. I was sick, you took care of me. I was in prison, you visited me. The righteous will answer, Lord, when was it we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you drink? When was it we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? When was it we saw you sick in prison and visited you? king will answer and say, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. You've heard this in a thousand times and you know the point. When you help others, you help God. But then, verse 41, he'll say to those on the left, you that are cursed, depart from me into the eternal fire compared to the devil and his angels. I was hungry, you gave me no food. Thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. Stranger, you did not welcome me. Naked, you did not give me clothing. Sick and in a prison, you did not visit me. They'll answer Lord, Lord, when was it we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison It didn't take care of you? He'll answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. What is the sin of the goats? What did they do? And doing nothing might be the worst thing you can possibly do. It's a cute little story. About, it's probably true. The little girl asked her mother, "Mother, can you get in trouble for doing nothing?" The mother thought for a minute and said, "No." The little girl said, "Good, because I didn't make up my bed. And I didn't pick out the garbage, and I didn't feed the cat." She tried to figure out that angle, and there's no angle here. You doing nothing has horrible. Consequences. Earlier in Matthew 25, but it's not a coincidence there. Together, Jesus told this story. Beginning at verse 14. It's the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags to another, one bag of silver to the last. Dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. Servant with two bags of silver went to work and earned two more. Servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip, called them to give an account of how they used his money. The servant who would be entrusted five bags of silver came forward and said, "Matthew gave me five bags of silver to invest, I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. I give you now more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest. I earned two more. The master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. Now I give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I know you are a harsh man. Harvesting crops you didn't plant. Gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I'd lose your money, so I headed in the earth. Look, here's it back. The master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested the crops I didn't plant, gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I would have gotten some interest on it. He ordered, take the money from the servant gifted to one with ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. They'll have abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where they'll be weeping and gnashing. Again, the sin of the servant. What did he do? He did nothing. This parable is your story and my story and the story of all who have lived until Christ returns. And he's looking and he's watching to see what we do with our God-given abilities. And you might be sitting there thinking, "Uh uh-oh, I'm in trouble because I don't have great abilities. Let me tell you some of the greatest abilities I have seen in church. Some of my favorite memories are some people that have locked and unlocked doors. Anybody in here can't do that? We had a woman in Indiana who sewed and made Easter costumes. She didn't think she made a big difference in our church, but oh, did she? You might be able to make a phone call. You might be able to send a note. There are so many things that you can do. Do not belittle the gifts that God has given you. You're all unique. You're all special. We're all different. Whatever you can do, whatever God gave you ability to do, you ought to be doing it. There's other kinds of sloth that we can look at. You ever known anybody that was just too lazy to love? Love is a verb. Love is an action. It's something you do, not just something you feel. Listen to this story of the destructive force of sloth on this marriage. The counselor wrote in his notes, In one particular case the husband had become preoccupied with sports? When he was in high school, he played on the basketball and football teams. In the early years of marriage, his wife tried to show some interest. She went to games with him, cheered for the hometown professional teams, regularly read the sports pages of the newspapers in order to be informed enough to carry on conversations with her husband about how the players and teams were doing. But his interest in sports grew until it became a total preoccupation. Nothing else in life seemed to interest him. His interest in his wife diminished. His involvement in church declined. There was room for nothing else in his life but sports. One day his wife left him for another man. He came to me to see if there was something he could do to get her back. I told him there was something he could do. He could change. I told him he could cut back on the time and energy he spent on being a sports fan and make a commitment to his wife and give time and attention to the things that would interest her. I told him that he would have to rearrange the priorities of his life and begin to give the Lord and his family the time and attention they deserved. He listened to me for a while and then he said, I thought of all of that, but to tell the truth, I don't feel it's worth the effort. <laughs> I want her back, but not that much. <laughs> there are some people, and you know them, that are too lazy to change. We're commanded to love. I'm commanded to love my wife. My wife's commanded to love me and pray for her and support her. All of us are commanded to love one another. I'm commanded to love. And you're commanded to love me. Don't be too lazy to love. You ever known Christians that were too lazy to enjoy their faith? They had just enough of the understanding that Christianity is a list of things they can't do. Well, I'm a Christian now, so I can't do that that I used to do. And I can't do that, I can't do that. What a walking billboard for the faith. That's a horrible way to be. They've got enough of Christianity to make them miserable. But when they jump in, and when we jump in, we find joy comes through service. And joy comes through fellowship. And joy comes through giving. And joy comes through commitment. And joy comes through helping. And joy comes through being involved. Churches suffer when, instead of everyone serving, just a few find themselves doing everything. And the slothful are along for a ride. And the servants are overworked. Don't do that. I'm about to talk to you now. So, I know this doesn't apply to you. You ever been too lazy to pray? Ever been too tired? Too worn out? Too busy to pray? We can all pray more. And what a difference we would see if we did. James 4, 17, you know how you ought to pray. James 4, 17 says this. Remember, it's a sin to know what you ought to be You're not doing it. God has been whispering to you about it. You need to do it. Don't be slothful about it. So, what's the cure? What's the cure for sloth? The cure for sloth is zeal, commitment, passion, obedience, dedication. Colossians 3:23 maybe says it best. And these are words of encouragement as we go out into the world for the next weekend of us. Whatever you do. Do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. When you leave this place, whatever you do, do it like you're doing it for God. Well, because you are. That's what Matthew 25 told us. In